Galatians 5, please. This is the second sermon of our Fruit of the Spirit sermon series. Last week, like I mentioned, we talked about love. We just sang about the love of Christ, and today we're going to talk about joy. And if you want to grow in joy, meditate on the love of Christ. That's one thing that uh, you can think about, how love and joy go together. So the first uh, scripture that we'll read is Galatians 5.22, and then the second one actually is Philippians 4, verse 4. I changed that one up from the bulletin. There's a lot of references in the Bible about joy, so I just, um, of course, picked the fruit of the Spirit text, but then also one other one. So before we read this, let's pray for God's blessing. Father, we're so thankful for your word, the light of truth. And we pray, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit now, you would open our hearts and minds to understand this truth, to believe it, and to live according to it. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first text is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Um, and then we'll turn over to Philippians 4. God's word says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So again, we'll focus on joy. Now go to Philippians 4, verse 4. I think some of you maybe know this verse. And you're going to see the theme of joy here very clearly. Philippians 4, verse 4. This is Paul's letter to the church in Philippi in the first century. This part of Scripture says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. God's Word. Well, many people uh, today in our culture and other cultures, for sure, they think that the purpose of life is to seek happiness. For a lot of people, their number one goal is to be happy to have a sense of pleasure and gratification, to feel good. Do you think that's true? If you just ask random people if they want to be happy and how high of a priority it is, a lot of people would say, that's a high priority of mine. I I want to be happy. And you can see it in the way they live. They do everything to try to improve their happiness and pleasure and gratification. But if you've thought about this before, it's interesting because it seems like the harder some people try to be happy, the less happy they actually become. It's it's kind of a spiral downward. It it doesn't work. They do all these things to try to gain happiness, money, wealth, pleasure, and, and so on. But it doesn't really work. It doesn't give them happiness. Now, wanting to be happy, by the way, is not a bad or a sinful thing. But if being happy is at the top of your life goals, that's bad and wrong, and it's just never going to work out. It's a, it's a futile goal to try to attain lasting happiness as your number one priority in life. It's just never going to work. So when we think about this from a biblical perspective, think now, you know, put your biblical thinking lens on. Um, the supreme aim in life, biblically, is to what? Glorify God. 
That's the, the main goal that our life should be aimed at, is to glorify and honor God. And the great thing about the Christian faith is there's happiness and joy in that, in glorifying God. You know, the first question and answer to the shorter catechism, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So that's the priority that we should have, is to glorify God first and foremost. And when we get that priority right, joy actually comes. That's the beauty of the Christian faith. So we could talk about a lot of different angles about joy today. It's a big theme in the Bible. And an interesting one is that actually God rejoices in the Bible. God is a God who rejoices, a God of joy. Isaiah 62 says, The Lord rejoices over his people like a groom rejoices over his bride. Jesus in the Bible is that shepherd who goes and searches for that lost sheep. And when he finds that one sheep, he rejoices over the sheep. Christ is a Savior who is joyful. So it's hard to understand as, as you know, finite humans, but in a divine and perfect way, God is joyful. Christ is joyful. The Bible doesn't portray God as this only stern, grumpy God who has no joy and happiness and delight. But he rejoices and has joy. And of course, the Bible talks about the joy that people have. That's what we're going to look at today. The fruit of the Spirit, that is, joy. So first of all, we're going to just wrestle over this. What is joy? How would you describe or define it to someone? We're going to answer that question And then we're going to talk about uh, how to grow in joy. We're going to use the scripture to answer these questions. So first of all, um, just stop and and think about what is joy? How would an average person define joy? One dictionary that I looked at, just a random dictionary, said joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. That's not that bad. If the guy across the street from where you live is not a Christian, but he seems happy most of the time. And his wife said, yeah, he's a joyful guy. You're not going to really correct him because you understand what she means. Um, he's, He's happy. That's what a lot of people think joy is. And that's not horrible. Because, you know, because God is is a good God, and because in, in some ways God is a joyful God, Acts 14 says that God provides everyone with food and he fills your hearts with gladness. There is such a thing as just general happiness that people can have in life because God, in his common grace, is kind to people, and he gives them reasons to be glad or happy. But the joy that we're talking about is not just kind of a happiness that people, everyone has in common from time to time, but joy in in Galatians 5 verse 22 is, of course, a, a, a Christian kind of joy. And it's much more, and it's much deeper than just a feeling of pleasure or happiness. So you can go to good Bible dictionaries to get some definitions. One biblical or one Bible dictionary said joy is rooted in God and what he has done for his people. That's a good way to put joy, right? It's rooted in God and it's based on what he has done for his people. That's a nice simple way to think about joy biblically. Now we're going to expand on that a little bit, but I want you to remember that that Christian joy is not just an emotion or feeling. Christian joy that Paul is talking about here in Galatians 5 is not just a happy feeling that you get when things are going well after you have a good shopping trip or your favorite team wins. 
That's a feeling or emotion of happiness. And again, that's not wrong. But joy here in Galatians 5 verse 22 is a spiritual quality. It's a spiritual virtue like patience and goodness and self-control and love. So when the Holy Spirit works joy in someone's heart, it's not just this warm, fuzzy, passing emotion or feeling. It's deeper and greater than that, even if it is connected to our emotions. So joy is a characteristic or attribute of a Christian's renewed heart. It's, it's the fruit of the spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit growing in the soil of a renewed heart, not just a feeling that passes. So, so we, we're going to expand on this. So just giving, getting a little broader in what joy here means is joy is a God-centered spiritual virtue that comes from the Holy Spirit's work in us. Based on Galatians 5.22 and other texts, joy is a God-centered spiritual virtue that comes from the Holy Spirit's work in us. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So that's one aspect to think about joy in this text. It's from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit. So if you ask someone or if someone asks you where true joy comes from, you can say from the Holy Spirit's work in a person's heart. It's a fruit of the Spirit produced by the Spirit in the soil of our hearts. This is what we talked about last time, or I talked about last week. When you talk about the fruit of the Spirit, um, it, it's based on the, the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's heart. You know, if someone doesn't believe in Christ, pretend, and she's not a Christian, she has no faith and no repentance, but she hears about Jesus who died on the cross for sinners, and the Holy Spirit uses that, that teaching of Christ and works in her heart and gives her new life and regenerates her. And now she's a believer. She was dead in sin, now she's alive in Christ. She was walking in sin, but now she's turned from it and she wants to obey God. She was without faith, but now she believes in the Lord and is united to him. That's the work of the Spirit. And following that, the fruit grows from the heart. Because the Holy Spirit's at work. The Holy Spirit, when he changes dead hearts and gives them life, the Holy Spirit produces beautiful fruit in people's lives. Good and lovely and excellent virtues and qualities like love and patience and peace and kindness. That's, that's a result of the Spirit's work in someone's lives, those excellent, wonderful fruits and joy. That's why the prophet Isaiah said long ago, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God because he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. That's true and genuine joy. That's why the Heidelberg Catechism says that this new life results in wholehearted joy in God through Christ. It's from the Lord. That's what true joy comes from. So, Again, let's just pause here. Now, let's just think about, you know, our daily living. If joy is not just an emotion or feeling, but it's a wonderful Christian virtue produced in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, that means true joy cannot come from the things in this world. It comes from the Holy Spirit. He produces it in hearts. That's what the Bible teaches. 
So this kind of joy does not and cannot come from anything in this world. Like I was saying before, you can get temporary happiness from things in this world. And it's not horrible. If you get a nicer car, that's pretty cool, and you can be happy about that. Or if you get a raise at work, awesome, that's exciting, you can be thankful. Looking at your phone can give you, you know, a dopamine shot, <laughs> like adrenaline in the brain, but it's not joy. Just, just remember that. You can't get true, deep, real joy from the things in this world. Cash, your car, your kitchen, your kids, your spouse, those things can't give you true joy. So, so if you are one of those searchers for joy, if, if you have a heart that's truly seeking happiness and joy, it's not going to come from the things in this world. But it can and does come through the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's heart. If you're looking for true joy, look for it in the Lord. Because trying to find joy in the things of this world is like trying to get a college degree without going to school. You can try, but it's impossible. So joy comes from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts. Now here's an interesting thing, shifting gears a little bit. True joy comes from the Lord, and true joy is in the Lord. What does Paul say in the Philippians text that we read? Rejoice. In the Lord always. True joy comes from the Lord and true joy is in the Lord. And Paul in Philippians 4 that we read, rejoice in the Lord always, and he repeats it. Paul is just getting that from the Psalms. Psalm 32 says, rejoice in the Lord and be glad. So what does rejoice in the Lord mean? I was thinking about that this week. How do do you explain you, as a believer, rejoicing in Christ. Explain that. How do, what does that mean? It's kind of hard to explain, isn't it? Well, it's related to trusting in the Lord or believing in the Lord. Your faith is Godward or Christ-centered. And so when it comes to joy that, that is in the Lord, it's God-centered and it's Godward joy. True rejoicing is God-centered. So you can take joy from God's love for you. That's a joyful thought. That the Lord loves you with a steadfast love, dear Christian. Rejoice. You can rejoice, dear, dear brother or sister in the Lord, that God cares for you with providence and sovereignty. He cares for you and even numbers the hairs on your head. Rejoice in the Lord. You can rejoice in God's goodness to you. You can rejoice every day for God's merciful forgiveness when he washes away all your sins through Jesus. Boy, that's a cause for rejoicing in the Lord because you're forgiven. You can rejoice in Christ's life-giving death for you, and you can rejoice in his powerful resurrection that assures you of your future resurrection. Rejoice in the Lord. And who he is, what he's done. So this is interesting, right? This true joy, in the best sense of the term, is like circular. It's joy from the Lord, and it's joy in the Lord. 
That's also why I say it's not just an emotion or a, a feeling, but a virtue, a spiritual quality worked in us by the Spirit's power. So the Bible also talks about other things. Again, there's, you could do several sermons on the joy, but the Bible talks about rejoicing in God's salvation, in his goodness, in his word. And so I can paraphrase Augustine, our hearts are joyless until they find joy in you, O Lord. Because like the psalmist says, in God's presence is fullness of joy in his presence. Okay, so uh, again, application. Joy is uh, from the Lord and it's joy in the Lord. That's what the Bible teaches. There's really, there's two awesome truths here that are incredibly meaningful for you every day in your life as a, as a believer, if you're a Christian. Even if you're not, this, there's one truth to think about here. There is such a thing as true, real, genuine joy. There is. It's not just phantom that nobody ever achieves. But there is such a thing as true joy. That's deep and real. You don't have to go through life sad and gloomy and, and melancholy. You know, when you think about someone who's always like sad, it, maybe you think of the Winnie the Pooh stories. Remember Winnie the Pooh? Who's the sad character in, the, in those stories? Eeyore, right? You remember Eeyore? So here's some of his quotes. Don't worry about me. Go home and enjoy yourself. I'll stay here and be miserable. <laughs> or Eeyore said, it could be worse. I'm not sure how, but it could be. <laughs> you don't have to go through life like, like that. Just gloomy and sad because there is such a thing as true joy, and it's joy in the Lord and from the Lord. God is a good God who has joy, and he gives people genuine joy in Christ by his Spirit. I want you to think about this this week. Think about how joy, like love, makes life sweeter and more pleasant. Full of color and beauty. That you can actually have joy deep inside. Real, true joy. Because the Spirit's at work in you. And imagine what it would be like living with no joy. No gladness. That's a dull and dreary existence. So that's one sweet truth to meditate on. There is such a thing as real, true, deep joy. And the second thing that goes with it, then it's given by God. It's a gracious work of the Spirit in us, and it's a gift of the Holy Spirit through faith in Christ. So Martin Luther said, The Father sent his Son not to oppress us with heaviness and sorrow, but to cheer up our souls in him. This means because joy is a gift of God, the Holy Spirit, this means you don't have to work to earn it from God. So, so never think that you have to be really obedient to earn joy from God. No, no, it's a gift produced in you by the Holy Spirit. He gives it out of kindness and grace. You don't have to buy it. You have to pay for it. It's, it's a gift of God that flows from the work of the Holy Spirit in you. Some great truths to think about. Okay, so biblically speaking, true joy is from God, from the Holy Spirit's work, and it's joy in the Lord, in God. So then what are some characteristics of this fruit? 
Okay, we were talking about the source. We, we talked already about the source of joy, which is God, and the object of joy, which is also God. But what does this fruit look like in a person's life, or what is it comprised of? Well, one thing about this joy that Paul talks about is uh, that it's well-founded joy. It's a solid joy. Why would Christian joy be well-founded? What does that mean? Well, it has a strong foundation, doesn't it? The foundation of your joy is God (laughs) and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's a great foundation for this spiritual virtue. This foundation of joy is the work of Jesus dying on the cross and being raised from the dead. So it's a strong foundation that never changes. Your your foundation for joy is very well-founded because it's founded on God, who he is and what he's done. And it's also, biblically speaking, it's it's, it's how you would explain like a deep joy that's in your heart. Like I said, it's not just a passing emotion that comes and goes or a feeling that is here one day and gone the next. But this is this deep thing because the Holy Spirit works in a person's heart and like tills the soil of a person's heart and makes it productive and bears this fruit deep inside joy. The Bible says it this way in Psalm 28, The Lord is my strength. My heart trusts in him. He helps me. And so my heart leaps for joy. There's joy in the heart, deep inside. So because this joy has a good foundation, God, and because it's a deep joy in our hearts, this is why we can actually rejoice in the Lord always. Like Paul says, because we always have a reason to rejoice. Right? If your foundation for joy is God, the work of Christ, that the, the, the Spirit's work in you, if that's your foundation for joy, you always have a reason to seriously rejoice. Because even on the worst day of your life, even if you look back and think about the absolute most terrible day of your life, the truth of who God is was still real on that day. And you could still rejoice in the Lord because you've, you're loved and forgiven and promised eternal life. That foundation is always there. You can rejoice in the Lord even after you stumble into sin again. Why? Because there is such a thing as forgiveness of sins. You can rejoice that the Lord forgives you. Some Christians seriously struggle with depression, and that's a tough topic, and it's not a joke. That's a serious thing. I just read a stat, I think it was, um, somebody can correct me, but I think it was one in ten adults in the United States have been or will be uh, diagnosed with like clinical depression. Many people struggle with this. But for the Christian who suffers depression, I understand it can be that your joy gets super low, almost like an empty tank. And maybe your tank of joy feels empty. But I just want to remind you that even on the darkest days of your depression, the foundation for joy is still under you. Even if you can't feel it or see it. Because depression has clouded your vision and your spiritual outlook. 
That foundation for joy is still under you. The love of God, the death of Christ, the promise of eternal life, the work of the Holy Spirit. I don't know where I heard it, but someone said, depression, I I think I heard this from someone, depression is kind of like being locked in a dirty and dark cellar where you're alone and it's cold and there's no light and no windows and you just sometimes can't get out. The door above is shut. You can't see the light of God's presence or the light of his love because it's just so dark and cold. And you don't have the strength to climb the stairs to try to break open the door to see the light of God's presence. It's probably an accurate way to describe depression. It's tough. If that's you sometime, you might not have the energy to go up there and break open that door to see the light of God's love. And instead of looking up, let me change the illustration. Get on your knees, swipe away the dirt and debris, and get down to the foundation underneath you. Because the foundation underneath you in that dark cellar is the love of God and the cleansing blood of Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit and the promise of eternal life. If the door of God's presence is shut up there in your depression days, that foundation is still underneath you. So dig down and look at it and remember The Lord loves you. Christ died for you. The Spirit's at work in you. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I'll say rejoice. And this is why you can also, if you've been diagnosed with something terrible, you can even, through your tears and through through sorrow, you can still rejoice in the Lord. Because you have the promise of eternal life and a renewed body when the Lord comes again. Right? Right? And this is really where the rubber hits the road. Rubber meets the road, isn't it? Because sometimes we get those diagnoses. We know we have friends, we have family, people even here. You get the diagnosis and think, this is it. And it takes a little while for that shock to wear off. But when that shock wears off, by the goodness and grace of God, you still have a reason to rejoice because Christ has promised you that you'll be with him forever. And when he comes again, he will raise your body and make it new and glorious like his And in that, you can rejoice. Paul says in Romans 5, you can even rejoice in suffering because suffering for the Christian is productive. It produces endurance. It produces character and hope. So you can rejoice. Okay, there are more things to say about that, but I I hope you understand rejoicing the Lord always is not just one of Paul's like pious phrases that doesn't really connect with real life. No, it does, really. Next question would be, as as we look at the last point here, how do you grow in joy then? How do you cultivate joy in your life? And you might think, well, that's awesome, Pastor. You know, good. (laughs) Lots of reasons to rejoice, but I ain't feeling it. How do you cultivate joy? You know, fruit, trees, and vegetables, of course, some of you are gardeners, flowers, whatever. They need to be cared for and tended. You guys know this. You need to cultivate the soil, and take care of plants for them to grow and and bear good fruit, right? You can't just let them go, or it's not going to grow well. So here's an interesting thing, another thing for you to think about. Joy is a gift, a work of the Holy Spirit in us, and it has this good foundation of God and the work of Christ. So joy is a gift, but it's also a duty. Is rejoice in the Lord... Well, that's a command, isn't it? It's, a, it's an imperative. 
So it's a gift. Joy is a gift, but it's also a command from Scripture. That's part of our Christian growth. We daily grow in the Lord by the help of the Holy Spirit. So there's a little bit of attention. Joy is a gift produced in you by the Holy Spirit, but you have to be joyful. But I like how Jerry Bridges put this. I quoted him before. He, Jerry Bridges wrote a go, good book on the fruit of the Spirit. You can look at that. I got some of my stuff from him. Jerry Bridges said, talks about being uh, responsible but also dependent. So we're responsible to cultivate joy and cause it to grow, but we're also dependent on the Holy Spirit to help us in that. It's a good way to think about it. Now, this I know it may be... There is a little tension here, but, and it's hard to fully understand, but if, if it, things were the other way, it would make even less sense. So you might think, well, we're given joy, but I have to also be joyful. There's a little tension. But think if, if the Bible didn't give the command to be joyful, that would make even less sense. God will give you joy. You can live however you want. That, that doesn't make any sense. You're not going to be joyful if you live a life of evil. So it makes some sense that joy is a gift, but also a duty. So, so again, how do you cultivate joy in your own life? Well, these three are related, of course, and there's probably more. You can think about more. I mean, one of them is, is through the reading and studying of Scripture and hearing the Word preached. If you never open the Bible and never hear Christian preaching and never meditate on the Word, your joy is not going to grow. That's like the, 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 the um, fertilizer. That, the word is a fertilizer that helps your joy grow. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, I rejoice in your word like one who finds great treasure. Or the prophet Jeremiah said, When your words came, I ate them, and they were my joy and my heart's delight. Did you ever have that? If you're a Christian now, um, where you're reading Scripture... And, and a story or a teaching in Scripture just, just gave you cheer and gladness. The Bible does that. This past week I was studying Mark chapter 10. Tonight's sermon is on where Jesus gave the blind man Bartimaeus sight. And I thought, that's a, that's a joyful passage because Jesus gives a blind man sight by his power. It gave me joy. And so if you're, if you're struggling for joy, just keep going to the Word. Go to the Word for that. Hear it preached, memorized it, memorize it, drink it in, and obey it. Another one would be, uh, what's another one? Okay, so you want to grow in joy? I want you to think about it too. If you're lacking in joy as a Christian, actually even as a non-Christian, what should you do before God? Pray. Ask him for joy. Jesus did say to the disciples in John, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Prayer and joy go together. The psalmist even prays for joy. In Psalm 90, he says, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad. So if you're one of those people seeking this true joy, of course you go to scripture, but also ask God for it in faith and and with an open heart. Lord, give me joy. Maybe you remember the life of David in the Old Testament. 
great King David sinning Bathsheba, having Bathsheba's husband killed in war, and remember that whole sinful, terrible mess. David lost, or his joy was almost gone after that. And remember what he prayed in Psalm 51? Restore to me the joy of your salvation. That's a prayer of a heart that seeks joy in God. All right, the last way to increase in joy is friendship and fellowship in a Christian sense. You know, Philippians 4, what we read, rejoice in the Lord, that's a plural command. You all (laughs) rejoice in the Lord, maybe together. In fact, Paul, when in 2 Timothy 1, remember Paul and Timothy's relationship was very good, and Paul loved Timothy. Timothy loved Paul as brothers in Christ. Paul was very anxious to see Timothy, and he said, when I see you, I'll be filled with joy. Because fellowship gave Paul joy. Being with other believers helped his joy increase. Joy is a work of the Spirit in a church, in a fellowship. And it makes sense that being around other Christians increases the, the joy of a person, Right? It's not good for us to be alone. Uh, I I don't know of any loners who actually have this kind of joy, right? I I don't know. Think about that. Can someone who's truly a loner have joy apart from fellowship? I don't think so. So once again, there, there are other angles about joy that we could think about. I hope this was a good introduction kind of to joy uh, from a biblical perspective. It's joy from the Lord. It comes from the Holy Spirit's work and heart. It's joy in the Lord. It has a solid foundation so we can rejoice in the Lord always. We grow in joy by scripture, by prayer, and by fellowship. And once again, if you're here and um, if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, and I hope you have a high view of this joy, And I hope you see the beauty of this joy that makes life sweeter. And and I just want to tell you, if you're not a follower of Christ, you, you can have this joy through Christ. Go to him in faith. Ask him for forgiveness. Trust him and pray for joy. Because he asks, or he gives to those who sincerely ask. I'll end with a note on future joy for for Christians. When Jesus comes again, there's this Old Testament prophetic language. When Christ comes again to bring full and final salvation and renewal for God's people, here's what the Bible says. In that day they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Until that day, we say that together. We pray, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. Let's pray.